Are your kids like you? Or do they have a completely different personality? And the question is, why is it hard for parents if they're an extrovert, for example, and their child is an introvert? We place so much value on being extroverts in our society. And so we can really get worried when our kids are not the same. Today on Feed, Play, Love, we're talking about raising an introvert when you're anything but. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. Children are born with their own personalities. Sure, we can influence certain things like their table manners or their values, but who they are, an introvert or an extrovert, that's not something we can change. So how do we raise children who are completely different to ourselves? Dr. Vanessa Lapointe is a psychologist, author, and parenting educator, and she's here to give us some guidance. Hi, Vanessa. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure as always. Now, I'm an extrovert. However, I am in a family of extroverts. (laughs) You know, good luck to anyone who comes to dinner at our place. However, there are people out there who are extroverts, who have children, who are introverts. What do we need to keep in mind as parents when we are the opposite to our kids in that respect? You know, so much of parenting comes down to this one small but enormous thing, which is that we have to parent the child we were given, not the child that we expected. And when we can see the child for who it is that they truly are, then we can honor their authenticity and we can make sure that we set life up for them so that it resonates with that part of them. I think perhaps it's that guidance aspect that people might find challenging when they're quite different. So for example, if you had a child who was an introvert and you're thinking, okay, I want to guide them so they have healthy relationships so that they make friends and all of those things. In honoring the child, should we always stand back and let them take the lead or do we need to acknowledge that it's hard for them and therefore give them a bit of scaffolding into that situation? Yeah, so I think we have to think about the idea that most of the time our child should be living life in what I call their comfort zone, where they're kind of tootling along and everything's feeling pretty good for them. And every now and then, we want for our children, in terms of having a growth mindset and a can-do sort of spirit about themselves, to enter into what I call the stretch zone where they're trying on something new for size and they may not totally love it and they might not be totally comfortable with it, but they get to have sort of a taste of it in order to know that they've got that within them. Those are the exceptions. We don't want our children to live in the stretch zone. We want them to live in the comfort zone with a little bit of dabbling into the stretch zone. And so if you have a child who's incredibly introverted, which is really, you know, a character trait that humans can be born with, then you would want to make sure that life was set up for them so that they aren't constantly having to bump up against this social world that we live in. And yet... We have such an emphasis placed on 
being social, being extroverted, being out and about, so much so that even standard IQ tests are biased against children who would otherwise be known as introverted or shy, to the extent that you could be diagnosed as having an intellectual disability because of your shyness. And so we have placed this value on extroversion, and it's really challenging to not want to push your child out into the world of friends and playdates and all of the things, and to just allow them to be the, the insular, kind of quieter people that they are. I know one of the things that would concern me would be the friendship thing. I guess as an extrovert, myself, I think my friendships are integral to who I am. And it's very hard not to see friendships as important for everyone, which I imagine they are. I mean, how do we deal with friendships for our children who are quite solitary and like their time on their own? When you are an extrovert, being around your friends and being with other people is an activity that tops you up. It fills your cup, it gives you energy, it, it makes you feel joyous and alive, and it's definitely worth the time because that's the payoff for it. When you are an introvert, being around other people taps you out. It's not something that fills your cup. In fact, it might, if we push it too far, crack your cup open and have it leaking out all the time. And so <laughs> when we can see the child for who they actually are, when we can see and experience the world through the child's eyes, then we will get what is the beauty of alone time for that child. And also, what is the beauty of having one maybe two special friends that they see only occasionally where the depth of those friendships is meaningful and at the dose that just fits that child. So it's not like they're never going to have friends or that they're going to be lonely. It's just that it's a different way of engaging with other people. Absolutely. And the concept of lonely for the extrovert is an entirely different thing than the concept of lonely for the introvert. The introvert delights in the solitude. <laughs> it's not lonely at all. It's wonderful and magical and restful. And so that's what we need to keep our eye on is that there isn't necessarily a negative about this. The other piece of it is that we actually know there's quite a bit of, for all of the emphasis that we place on being social with our children, there's actually a lot of drawbacks to having our children be too much involved with their peers. And so the introvert in some ways gets the advantage when it comes to certain aspects of social and emotional learning and development because they're so solitary. So we want to honor those bits. You mentioned a word earlier alongside introvert, which is the word shy. Mm. Is it appropriate for us to use that word with our children or not? Shyness has really earned itself a bad rap because we place so much emphasis on being social and outgoing. When a child presents as shy, we often think it's a negative thing, like it's hard for them in life, that they are not doing as well as other children. And yet, when we look at the concept of shyness 
in terms of what it actually is, it is uh, an evolutionary advantage. Shyness is your child's innate, built-in, born with desire to resist the influence of someone to whom they are not emotionally attached. And we want our children to be shy. We want them to resist the influence of strangers because we can't always know that strangers have their best interests at heart. And so, you know, shyness is actually something really lovely and to be embraced, not to be confused with kids that develop things like like really severe separation anxiety and those kinds of pieces, which takes us into another uh, dimension altogether. Do you think it's that we should approach our introverted child differently depending on their age? Would it be different how we support a toddler, for example, who's an introvert to an older child that's maybe four or five? I think the difference would be that the younger your child, the more they are depending on you to be the buffer between them and the world. So, you know, a one or two-year-old child who really does just like their people and only their people is going to be very dependent on their grown-ups to be running interference for them around that. Whereas a five or a six-year-old child, through mobility, actually removing themselves from situations, and or through language, is going to be able to communicate a desire um, to be alone or a desire to want to move away from that group activity towards something more um, solitary. And so uh, I think the younger your children are, the more likely it is that you will be front and center as the one that's going to need to take care of that for them, which if you're an extrovert, <laughs> to me, you know, um, on the one hand, you'll be very, very good at taking care of that for them. And on the other hand, you might feel like you're having to explain and apologize a lot because it'll be so different from what it is that you're used to. In terms of that explaining and apologizing, I kind of feel like the way you describe shyness, it's almost like a a superpower. You know, it's one of those things that we haven't traditionally recognized. It's like neurodiversity where we've always put it in a certain box, but in fact, there are some really great things to celebrate about it. Um, is there something to be said in us trying to change the way we speak about this with other people? Because you're right, if your child is hiding behind your legs, you immediately go to, oh, I'm sorry, she's just, she's just a bit shy. Why do we have to apologize for that? Yeah, I think we're so wise to be thinking through those kinds of things. Um, language is always uh, such an uh, insight into what our underlying biases are. And also with our language, we can spin stories and create magic with those stories. And the magic can be either white magic or black magic. And so if my very introverted child is hiding behind my leg and what they hear me saying to somebody else by way of buffering between them and the world is something like, oh, you can give me your hellos for little Jackson uh, and I'll make sure that he gets those hellos passed on to him later. When our child hears that, what does our child think? Our child thinks I'm valued. Our child thinks my parents got my back. You know, they get those kinds of messages. If on the other hand, we're seeing something like, oh, sorry, he just doesn't really like to talk to people. Now, play that energy out, the way that it's landing in your child's mind and soul and body. And what does that translate to over the drip drop, drip drop, drip drop 
numerous times that they will hear that messaging in their little lives. And so I think we're, we're so, um, we are so wise to really be thoughtful about how we're commenting on that and in turn, how we actually view it. Look, just to switch it before I let you go, um, I am now thinking of the introverted parent with an extroverted Mm. child. So just to switch it around for a minute, all of those things that you explain about an introverted child, my heart just goes out to a parent whose child, who is an introvert and their parent, their child is an extrovert because then they're in a really uncomfortable position like all the time. Have you got any advice for those parents on how they can manage having a child that is out there in the world when they would rather just, you know, be on their own? You know, this is a question that comes up a lot in my clinical practice for parents who just find that so hard. And what's interesting about that is when you have the parent who's extroverted and the child who's introverted, the the caring hierarchical nature of the relationship is intact because the outgoing parent gets to buffer and do all of those things. When it switches, it messes a little bit with the hierarchy because now it's the kid who's, you know, embracing life (laughs) and out there and going and the parents like, oh man, do we have to? Right. And it's (laughs) uncomfortable and they aren't really in the position to be in the lead of all of that. So a couple of things to think about. Number one, our children are gifted to us in order to grow us. So we get to grow ourselves to grow them, which means that as the adult in this dynamic, in this relationship, you are going to need to step into your stretch zone, out of your comfort zone, probably more frequently than you would like in order to be able to show up for this child so that they get to have the kinds of interactions with the world around them that are meaningful to them. The second thing is we were never meant to go this alone this whole thing called parenting and child raising. And so if you are really introverted and having this extroverted child is just like a lot for you to take on all the time, this is when you get to look to your village. Who are the people, do you have an outgoing auntie? Is is your co-parent maybe somebody more suited to the playground gatherings or whatever it is, um, so that you're able to recruit people who probably would love to be involved in your child's world this way. And then you get to have some quiet time without being so frequently pushed into that stretch zone of your own. Vanessa, so wise. I love everything you have to say about this. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. Thank you. That's Dr. Vanessa LaPointe. She's an author and psychologist. If you'd like to learn more about her many books and her work, you can check out the links in the notes of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you did, please rate, review or favourite. That way you'll get all the new episodes. Plus, we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, email me at feedplaylove at listener.com. Bye for now.